You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings once again from Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. This is your Ask the Expert segment for June of 2019. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us this month is Chris Martinson. Chris Martinson is the CEO and co-founder of a great site called peakprosperity.com. That's just a, it's a fantastic site where people who are curious about the future congregate to discuss our problems and, and how we can solve them. Uh, Chris, though, I think is well known uh, throughout the internet as an expert in the economy and what got us here and where we might be headed. And so it's a great uh, opportunity to visit with him and, and ask him some of your questions. So Chris, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Oh, Craig, it's a real pleasure to be back with you here. All right. And Chris, just uh, just so you know, we've got, uh, I think, six questions here mm-hmm. that have been submitted by uh, listeners uh, to Ask the Expert and uh, listeners to our weekly wrap-up series and customers of Sprott Money. Um, I think they're right in your wheelhouse. So if, you, if you're ready, can we start with question one? Sure. Let's go. All right. I think this is one that you're probably familiar with. The first question, just simply, do you own physical gold and silver? And if so, how do you recommend uh, people store it? Well, the answer is yes to both of those. I've been a physical owner since I first woke up. I think I read The Creature from Jekyll Island back in, uh, I don't know, 2001. And I've been a, a, an owner of both uh, commodities, uh, metals, uh, monies uh, since since then. And uh, first, everybody should have a core position in physical gold and physical silver. And that should be in your hot little hands, up to you where you're and how you're going to store it. You know, the advice is store it somewhere safe and don't tell anybody, but leave directions to where it is in, in a safe deposit box. I'm a very public figure. I have mine in local bank safe deposit boxes uh, that feel safe, except for silver, which as uh, your more sophisticated listeners or uh, wealthier listeners will know, is actually kind of a heavy, bulky thing. Yeah. Um, and it's more difficult to to store. So you're really, I hold most of my, what I call my core emergency insurance position in gold. And then the other stuff that I'm holding, which is beyond that, I highly recommend people find themselves a, uh, a vaulting uh, storage solution that exists out there. There are a lot of great ones. And uh, some offered by uh, the sponsor of this. And so we've got uh, a a whole global network of places that people can actually store physical gold and silver for very reasonable rates. Um, You know, of course, all the usual things apply. Is it fully allocated? Is it insured? Is it independently audited by somebody you've heard of and trust? You know, those sorts of things. And they exist. So, So the core position, hot little hands, the rest, um, depending, you might want to hold that outside uh, of jurisdictions and outside of, of your physical possession in a vaulting solution. I want to just double back to the core position idea, because uh, I think that's interesting you put it that way. Can you explain that a little further, what you mean by core position? Yeah, this is my, it's just, it's literally my emergency fund. It's my insurance, right? So the question becomes, if things really hit the skids, how much would I personally want to be able to get my hands on? So my core position is actually fairly sizable on a percentage term. Um, and because uh, I'm, I'm a control freak, I love being able to access my own uh, physical bullion. So, so for gold, I, I hold quite a bit actually um, down at, at, uh, in several local safe deposit boxes. And it's a core position for, I worry about a bank holiday and another financial crisis, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's uh, listen, you know, the way these these things are going and the way everything's printing, this looks to me like um, we're going to go to some sort of hard conclusion. That could be a bank holiday. It could be another systemic financial crisis. It could be something. And I believe there's a before and after in that story. And if you don't have gold in your possession before in the after story, you as the retail investor are probably going to be outcompeted by the billionaires and yeah. pension funds and big money folks who actually have better access and are going to vacuum up everything available. You, it will be offered at a price. It just won't be available. And by the time it becomes available, the price will have moved up and, and on and on. So I think people will get trapped uh, out of the market and chase it. And so uh, I really believe your core position is to get in before that happens yeah and uh just you know see know that it's going to happen someday and just you know be patient yes all right let's move on to question number two uh, and this has to do with what i like to call the digital derivative pricing scheme um the question specifically is the banks and the futures market seem to control price how can their stranglehold ever be broken well, uh, I think it's kind of going to have to paraphrase the how did Hemingway go broke, right? Slowly, then all at once. Um, you know, the way I see this going at some point is, you know, they they play their games, they play their games, they start to run out of physical, and then at some point that breaks on them. The, the sad conclusion to that, unfortunately, after everything that's transpired is you also have to be prepared that they're just going to change the rules uh, when that moment comes. And so that's a an ever-present worry I have because obviously rules only apply when it works in the favor of the big banks and when they don't, eh, they break them. Um, you know, and we've seen how much rule breaking have we seen, Craig, in the yeah. last five years or so? I mean, everything, things as large as the U.S. Treasury market, the dollar market, um, LIBOR, uh, you know, the gold clothes in London, it doesn't matter how big or how small the market, if they can manipulate it and get away with it, they will. And that's just human nature. I, no surprise. The surprise is the people who still think, oh, no, that's not actually happening. Okay, it happened 10 times in a row, but not surely not at 11th, right? So <laughs> right. so it, it is happening. But again, I think it blows up on them at some point, and, um, and then we get into a shortfall crisis, sort of a scrambly moment. And again, that has a before and an after. Yeah. Is it kind of a plate stop spinning and you know, as long as, like when you walk into a bank, as long as you feel like you can get your money when you want it, you're fine having their fractional reserve system. But when uh, all of a sudden they tell you you got to wait 90 days, you get a bank run. Is it something like that? Exactly. Exactly. And, and of course, you know, it's just like with the close of Cyprus, you know, all these retail people got locked out. You can only get out 100 euros or 200 at the ATM and that was it. Uh, but meanwhile, the big money was uh, vacuuming its wealth out, uh, you know, willy nilly. So it's just understanding there's an asymmetry of access. There's an asymmetry of information and that the people who get locked out are the people who can least afford it. And yeah. that's just the way it seems to work. All right. Moving on to question number three. I suspect this might come from uh, someone who's familiar with you, maybe a subscriber to your great website, Peak Prosperity. Um, because it certainly knows a little bit about your background. And the question is just simply, you moved to a more, let's call it sustainable lifestyle a few years back. What tips do you have for someone looking to do the same? Do it. Uh, you know, this is not something you're going to be able to analyze. There's too many factors. Uh, we, you know, we talk about this endlessly. People are very concerned with, you know, where, when, and how they're going to make the move. Don't Get stuck in analysis by paralysis. Everything to move towards sustainability, towards resilience, it takes time. You know, let's say you just move to a new place. You're like, I want solar. Well, 
permits and you know schedules, it's probably going to take a year, right? Uh, you decide you want to start gardening and, and grow a few things. Ten years of of learning before you, I think you can get mastery. So the idea is just get started. And uh, I've I've never looked back. I'm so happy I went down this path. I've got a um, lot of skills now. I really enjoy uh, the activities that come with being resilient. It makes me more in relationship, feels more connected. I love the activities. Um, and so for somebody who's thinking about it, you know, follow your intuition. I know a lot of people today are not feeling exactly comfortable with how things are out there in the world, whether they're monitoring the Middle East, Iranian tanker, straight or move situation, or just, you know, how politics are fracturing or the fact that insects are disappearing. Whatever your story is that has you a little on edge, uh, you want to move towards that new lifestyle as soon as you reasonably can. Yeah, in in looking at a community to join, are are, are there certain? Is it kind of a personal decision, or are there certain themes that uh, that you think are important? Well, highly personal decision: age, uh, income, uh, yeah. savings, wealth, uh, family, lots of things to consider, of course. Uh, but the general basics are, you know, I think everybody should consider moving to a place that has adequate rainfall and good soil and, you know, the basic natural principles because, yeah. uh, you know, where the wealth really was, you know, here's the thing you could do worse than dredge up and map from 1880 or so and look at it. And if people were settled there, it's probably an OK place to That's consider. Good point. That's an excellent point. Uh, <laughs> very good point. See, I always tell people Chris Martinson is one of the smartest guys I know. And um, that's a good reason right there. I like that. Okay, moving on to question four. Uh, and this kind of gets back to question one, I guess, because you were talking about uh, jurisdiction of storage. You know, a lot of folks like Sprott money for storage because uh, of our Canadian roots. Um, uh, question four just gets to the idea of precious metal confiscation. Uh, do you think that would be possible again in the 21st century to see precious metal confiscation similar to the 1930s? Not similar to the 1930s because in the 1930s, gold was money, and so the government confiscates money. Now, it's possible we could get there. My view is uh, gold is pretty far down the list. I agree with uh, Grant Williams had an excellent piece out, I don't know, four years ago maybe, called Nobody Cares. And it talks about how in the West nobody cares about gold. And I think that's still true. I don't think anybody at the Treasury is sitting around worrying too much about it. They, you know, they don't mind it when it gets slammed down, of course. They might get curious if it got slammed up. Um, but you know, uh, for now – uh, I consider the government to be a little bit like Willie Sutton, right? And uh, why did he rob banks? Because that's where the money was. Well, where would the government go first? First, I would want to see them do things like expropriate 401ks and other defined benefit plans yeah. that exist out there by putting, replacing the assets that are in there with uh, special treasury bonds. Why? Because there's trillions sitting there. And then they might go after money market funds in a similar fashion. I think they'll go down the uh, value chain. If I see them creeping down that chain, I will become more concerned. And of course, I think everybody needs to have uh, some jurisdictional uh, spreading of their of their wealth anyway, uh, simply because we never quite know how the future is going to unfold. Right. Okay, moving on to question five, Chris. Uh, and this gets to what is something that's been quite in the head headlines quite a bit recently. We're now back to new all-time highs in the total amount of global negative yielding debt. I, I saw mm. something just uh, earlier this week Switzerland has negative yields now all the way out to 30 years. You can buy a 30-year yep. Swiss bond at basically zero return. Uh, they just give you your money back 30 years from now. 
Um, that trend certainly seems to be accelerating. And so the question five is just basically, uh, do you think that the U.S. and Canada may be heading in that direction as well? Well, they are headed in that direction. If by headed, we mean, you know, rates are coming down. And, uh, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of prepping of the of the soil by the central bank talking about the necessity of different tools and, and even openly talking about negative rates if needed, which, of course, is why there's a war on cash going on, because you can't have people ducking out. Uh, and the only way, you know, by, by going to cash and so negative rates, air quotes, work for a central bank, because if I'm getting minus 4% on a savings account, I'm going to be incentivized to spend it. And that's what they want to do. They just want to horsewhip people into borrowing and spending as much as possible. That's their goal. Um, and if they feel they need to, they will do that. If the last 10 years has taught us anything, they will do everything and anything to keep this particular charade going, uh, which is, which is a, a charade of increasing debts in the system at a faster rate than the underlying economy is growing. It's not a good game. It's mathematically flawed. Uh, any sixth grader can work out why that's the case. Uh, you yourself could understand that you can't have your credit card debt growing at 10% and your salary growing at 5% uh, before you get into trouble, right? So we've, we've gotten into trouble and they will do everything they can to try and get us out of the trouble except the honest, high integrity thing, which would be to say, Maybe we shouldn't have done that. We kind of overspent. Now we're going to have to live with some austerity, tighten our belt. That's not in the lexicon or dogma of anybody currently at the Federal Reserve or elsewhere. Or politics or anything. You're right. Oh. You're right. All right, Chris. I think this last question is right in your wheelhouse too, uh, especially with your expertise at, at peakprosperity.com. Uh, the final question is just simply this. What are the simplest steps that someone can take now Ahead of the next crisis, I assume that means, you know, I mean, the current crisis never really ended. It all be, you know, from 10, 11 years ago. But ahead of the next crisis, again, what are some of the simplest steps someone can take now to prepare? Well, there's really two big parts to this. First, you have to be educated. You have to know what the context is, right? And if you're reading the mainstream news, I hate to tell you this, but you're mostly miseducated. And uh, you need to understand some things, right? So, so there's a lot of great resources out there. I put together the crash course. You got Mike Maloney's Hidden Secrets of Money. Lots of sources out there to say, how does the system work? Because what we're facing is a systemic crisis. And if you don't understand what the systems are, good luck figuring out a rational response to uh, you know, what you want to do if or when they, they shift course, break, collapse, whatever your, your verbiage is. The second thing, after you've got enough understanding to say, okay, I get it, I kind of see what this, what, I see what the the game is. Now you got to get into solution space, and that's a little bit more complex. You know, we have a book out called Prosper, which goes across eight forms of capital. There, I think the simplest, easiest steps for people are to begin aligning your actions with what you know to be true. So, listen, what we know could be false; it could be changed by new data. But if right now you know in your heart or in your brain or both that we're on an unsustainable course and that this is going to break. You, you know that. Well, red pill moment, you can't unknow it. So what do you do? Now your actions have to align with that knowledge. And if they don't, you're going to feel anxious, worried, maybe afraid, right? So how do you get rid of that, that uncomfortable emotional middle territory? Well, you do different things. So this could be as simple as starting to build a deep pantry if you're worried about food security, taking some cash and gold out of the banking system so you're not entirely stuck within the system if it closes. Uh, you're going to want to um, start uh, thinking about your own health. And the most important thing, this is a little trickier, the most important thing, if I, somebody said one thing, one form of capital, which is the most important, 
and it's your emotional capital. If you fall to pieces when things change, doesn't matter how much stuff you got. So we really advise people to begin working on their emotional resilience as a means of being level-headed when the big shifts come. A, so you can be of service to the people around you, but B, so you can be of service to yourself and also take advantage of all the new opportunities that will arise, right? In the dust, you know, it clears and there's, there's new stuff. Most people got burned, shocked, paralyzed. We don't want you to be there. Yeah. I read, you remind me, I read a fabulous book once um, about uh, survivors of, of, you know, great tragedies, you know, and accidents and things like that. And this, this person interviewed all these survivors and found that they were situationally aware. They, before the event took place, they had, you know, found the exits, you know, they, so they didn't panic. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that gets right to what you were saying about um, planning ahead so you can be emotionally stable, right? Yes, absolutely. And and it, great point you just brought up. In many cases, that's as simple as just thinking through all the things that might happen and having and thinking how you would respond if that happened. Right. right? Um, many people don't take those thought processes, don't take the time. They find it hard. Um, and it worries them or something. And uh, they're often the people who are blindsided when the change comes. And uh, so this is something the military knows quite well. Right. They don't they don't say Fallujah might be tough. They take you through a mocked up town and they walk you through all the possible scenarios you're going to face. And that gives you a better chance. Yeah. And I remember the book now. It's called Survivor's Club. And uh, again, it was this gentleman just interviewed everyone that had survived, you know, natural disasters and stuff like that. And two different things they all had in common. One, they prepared ahead of time. And two, they all actually had a basis in faith, which he thought was really interesting as well. That, you know, maybe that kept you more optimistic or hopeful. I don't know. Well, that's part of the emotional resilience I was talking about. That has a yeah. that has a, a faith, spiritual, inner resilience sort of component to it. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, and uh, everyone, before you go, just a reminder: summer is finally here. That, of course, can mean one thing: the Sprott Super Summer Sale. Sprott Money has searched the vaults high and low to offer fantastic product selection of precious metals on sale right now. So be sure to visit the deals page which is right in the navigation bar of SprottMoney.com. After this segment, you can add your reserve of precious metals. You can even store it with us too. Uh, Or, of course, you can always call us 888-861-0775. My friend, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to visit with you, Chris. And uh, please, everybody, check out PeakProsperity.com as well. Uh, And Chris, all the best. I look forward to speaking with you again sometime soon. Thank you. You're welcome. And likewise, it's been fun. From all of us here at Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com, thank you for listening. We'll have another Ask the Expert segment for you in July. 